Welcome back to the second episode of the Brutally Honest Loan Officer Podcast. I'm Derek Brown. I'm here with Stephen Brock. We are both loan officers with the mortgage firm located in Florida. Um, super excited to have a second episode. Um, the first one I think was great, but we're still working through how we're going to do this. But I'm really excited. Like this is number two now. We made it. We made it the first hurdle. First hurdle. Now it's second hurdle. <laughs> um, but this week we wanted to bring up um, a topic that we've come across quite a few times. Uh, Dave Ramsey um, is a well-known uh, financial advisor and gives advice on paying off debt, how to become a millionaire, and the best way to buy a house. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we get questions regarding his style of doing things. So we thought we'd come up or discuss the three um, main principles that he follows. So uh, the baby steps, debt snowball, and then the 15-year mortgage with 20% down at a 25% DTI manual underwrite. Uh, those are the three things we're going to discuss. Uh, so Stephen, tell us about Dave Ramsey's baby steps. Yeah, so the, the, the baby steps, and I wanted to first say like, you know, no matter how you feel about him, I know he's kind of been in the, the news lately that some of his advice that people are like, oh, what's going on? But he's got a lot of good points to it. And you got to take some stuff with a grain of salt with it. But again, his baby steps, I do like this one a lot because um, he's trying to sh basically, hey, I have no, I have no clue about financials at all, money at all. And he's like, this is what you need to be able to start doing. You know, the first one is saving a thousand dollars for a starter emergency fund. We all need it. You know, you'll start yeah. there, um, paying all debt off except your house. You know, um, and then you're using what you're going to talk about a little bit later is the debt snow um, snowball effect with it. And kind of we're going to talk on that also probably is is all debt bad. You know, you know, but um, paying all your debt off except your house. Why not the house? Well, that's a, an appreciating appreciating asset. So having a debt on it's not actually a bad thing with it. You know, you're you're technically making money or building equity off of somebody else's money in it. Um, right. Step three, saving uh, three to six months of expenses. So fully funding your emergency fund then. Um, investing 15% of your household income into retirement. Saving for your children's college fund. Uh, paying off your home early and then build wealth and give. So I do, I would say I believe in almost every single one, double this reading again. There's nothing I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily disagree with, maybe changing them around in the order, but not disagreeing with them at all with it. Um, like, are you switching like two and three kind of? So paying all, off all debt with the snowball and then saving three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Like, would you switch those around or intertwine yeah, them? Because maybe? I mean, you, you could still be saving those expenses up because I mean, we all went through the, the pandemic of COVID, you know, not too long ago where, Hey, you lost your job. Like, you know, if you didn't have expenses saved up, even of those for those minimum payments of those debts, you were screwed. Okay. So this is a good point too. Like, let's just say you own a home. I think you should save more before you start really going ballistic on debt. That way, if something breaks, it's on you. Now, if you're renting, maybe the thousand dollar emergency fund is all you really need. You know, you get a flat tire, a couple hundred dollars, um, something like that, but you may not have to replace a $6,000 AC unit 
that's going to be on your landlord. So I think that that's where some of this can kind of be intertwined or it might depend on if you own a home or not. Um, and also just what, what your income and debts look like. Exactly. Yeah. Are there some debts that you can pay off pretty quickly? Um, you know, I know he goes on there. It doesn't matter about the interest rate, but what, what's something you can pay off quickly to save up, you know, then start putting that to savings. That that would make sense. But there you have some long-term debts that will take more time. Um, then it might be smarter to start putting more money to the savings and paying those minimums on that debt. Right. Agree. So awesome advice. Um, and just to the random person that doesn't have a financial advisor or somebody that helped guide them, I don't think it's a bad thing to follow this, you know, system. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is meant for, like you said, it's baby steps. That's your first little step. You're starting to save money. You don't have enough money to save to go to a financial advisor yet to really warrant that expense on yourself, but you want, you know, you should be saving and you should be starting to build wealth. Like what, what do I do? You know, that's usually the biggest thing is what's the first thing that I need to do? Yeah. Budget. Yes. Budget is huge. Awesome. All right. So then second one, second one is the debt snowball. Uh, I'm going to read this directly from Ramsey Solutions. The debt snowball method is a debt reduction strategy where you pay off debt in order of smallest to largest, gaining momentum as you knock out each remaining balance. When the smallest debt is paid in full, you roll the minimum payment you were making on that debt into the next smallest debt payment. So here's how it works. Step one, list your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of interest rate. Step two, make minimum payments on all your debts, except the smallest. Pay as much as possible on your smallest debt. And you repeat until each debt is paid in full. Um, so they also mentioned like before you start arguing about interest rates, um, if your largest debt has the largest interest rate, it's going to take a long time before you start to see a dent in that crazy balance of yours. But when you stick to the plan without worrying about interest rates, you're going to be jumping up and down when you start paying off the smaller debt. I, I agree and disagree. Um, again, if you don't understand numbers, rates, payments, stuff like that, and you're just trying to start paying off debt, by all means, this is definitely a way to do it. Starting with the smallest, you feel a win, like you feel something inside yourself that's awesome when you start paying something off. Like I cleared my first credit card. Now I know I can hit the second one. So getting that momentum is key. Um, but then again, if, you know, if you've got, I don't know, $9,000 worth of credit card debt, like over three credit cards, let's say like $3,000 a card, but then you've got $2,500 left of a car payment that's $500 a month. I would try to knock out that car payment first and then I'd be able to have a lot more monthly to then throw at the credit cards. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, you know, it, it really depends on what flow, that looks what's, like. What's the quickest amount of cash flow you, can you generate? Correct. And that's why they always say the small, I mean, that's why he's pointing to the smallest debt because 99% of the time, the small, the free up more cash flow is paying off the smallest debt. But, you know, right. your situation that you were just talking about, like, hey, I have a very high car payment that if I get rid of it by paying that one off that 2500 instead of waiting the five months. five months with it I can pay it off now you know my my credit card payment is what a couple hundred bucks of that right one so I mean you pay off that 500 and you have that free now you're putting you know five six hundred dollars a month on one of those credit cards and start on top of the minimum payment you know so you got a three thousand dollar credit card that you're able to pay 
you know, close to a thousand bucks a month, then your first one's done in three months. So it's just, uh, that's where the bet snowball, you can snowball faster if you know what you're doing. Uh, But at the same time, if you are just, you don't understand it or you don't like looking at that and that's like disheartening to you or whatever, stick with the debt snowball um, and just start paying off debt. I mean, he's using the KISS method, you know, keep it simple. So just, hey, this is what you do. Each person, almost 90%, more than probably 90% of the population can use this. And that's what's, I mean, that's what's great about Dave Ramsey's kind of style with things. It, It really touches home to a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah, Cons- so consumer so debt's at an all-time high. We hit a trillion dollars. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous scary. how much you know debt we have out there. And, and the other thing is how you were saying about um, like leveraging it and stuff, and, and the different payments and stuff like that. Why I've had people refinance more recently. That why would they trade in a low interest? mortgage payment you know we've got people down in the twos and threes when the uh when COVID happened the, the mortgage rates dropped why would they go to a five six seven interest rate well people don't realize as mortgage rates the fed increased rates those increased credit card rates car loan rates they increased all debt it's rates so right. they're having a lot of these high payments where i've had people where they jumped up two, three points of interest to do it on the mortgage, but freed up their monthly debt by seven, $800 a month, like paying off cars, paying off credit cards, student loans, whatever it may be, freed up a lot more money by taking a higher rate on a mortgage and doing a cash out refi. So, right. you know, when you're really playing with the numbers, it can, it can really change things. So, I mean, there's, there's technical snowball effect was instantly because they, put it all into their mortgage from the, all the equity they had. And now they're going to pay that mortgage payment. Now you got to do what's right and not rack up your credit cards again. That's the key because that is one thing. Like I do want some people to understand, like, especially if they take out like another loan in order to pay off some credit cards and another loan, they call it debt consolidation. Like, Oh, you know, I I use this loan to pay off this debt. Technically you didn't pay off anything. You just moved it around. Yeah. You know, so if you can be strategic in the way you do that by maybe taking a higher interest rate on a mortgage, HELOC, uh, there might be a debt consolidation loan out there that might be favorable. Um, I think the key is what does that do to your total monthly output? You know, so if you are then just transferring that debt, but then saving $800 a month, um, I had a customer saving almost $1,000 a month because of a refinance we did, um, that made sense for them. You know, and then now they're able to put a little bit more extra towards the principal. So their six point whatever rate it was, effective interest rate is probably high fours to low fives because they're paying a little bit extra now, but they still have a big cushion because they're not paying as much in all this other debt that they weren't able to pay off. You know, so it can be done strategically. Um, so I love that idea, making your money work for you too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a it's a huge a huge advantage if you know what you're doing and you have the right team behind you, kind of guiding you you through it. All right. So his his last one that we were going to kind of speak on is the the no credit score, twenty percent down, fifteen year mortgage at twenty five percent of your take home pay. So this is this is us mortgages, right? What we have? What what do you? Where do we start? Your, where, where do, do we start? start? What's your thought on this? Okay. So let's break it down. 
no credit score, 20% down, 15-year mortgage, 25% DTR. Four like major little points of that. So we'll start with the no credit score. No, <laughs> no. So he brings up, well, you could do a manual underwrite. Yeah, you can. Uh, but if you have no credit score, that means you you chopped up your credit cards, you've been sitting with no debt, um, and then they want to prove that you're able to pay your bills by submitting bank statements and other things showing the last 12 months of you know paying utilities or you know what have you. It's not impossible. It is a little bit more difficult, um, but you're going to have some lenders that don't like won't even touch it. Um, and I just think that if you are being diligent and, you know, paying your things on time, you can have a credit score without having a ton of debt, you know? So I just, so what, if you mean, realistically, we tell people like, keep your credit cards max, maybe 30% usage. I try to tell people 20% that way. Oh. If they, I, I, if they stretch it a little bit, they're still under that 30% ratio. holidays. So they're going to be at 30. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, you know, don't use your credit cards that much or people will open up a new line of credit for 500 bucks to save 10% on a $300 purchase. You save $30. Yeah. Like, so honestly, like you probably shouldn't be buying it if you don't have the money for it. Um, ideally, but you know, Americans love credit cards. Uh, which hence we're at a $1 trillion <laughs> consumer <laughs> debt. But um, I just, I don't know. Um, it just becomes much more difficult uh, doing the no score um, loan. I, I just, I don't know. Not a fan. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it either. I mean, it's to the lending side, you're considered more risky. Even if you are paying it off, it's like, okay, well, where's your proof? Now you're going through the bank statements, trying to figure it all out with it so and then even then the one that i did two three years ago like we were trying to go this way of doing it like he 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 had a rent payment but he paid everything else cash i think he, his daughter lived with them so everything it was just going to be him on the loan his daughter every utility was in his daughter's name so you can't even count that now so like all he could show is that he paid rent for the last year on time. Did you know that they do credit pulls on sometimes on insurance yep. and sometimes on utilities in order for you to have an electric bill, they might like require a yep. credit score. I don't know what you would do in that situation. Like I have, a, I have a credit score, so I haven't like, I think they figured they're probably out what they would do a bigger deposit or a larger deposit. So yeah. then you're putting more money. I, down. I know with the insurance side of it, it, you get a credit rating from the insurance bureaus kind of thing. Like I've, I've had a couple of insurance agents say like, you know, we'll have one on here one day too. Like to kind of really talk about it, but I know it will, it could put what category you're in, you know, no credit score. You're at risk. It just automatically considered riskier. Again, not, extra risk. That are more riskier. Good credit score savings. Yeah. Huh. That's it. Who would have thought? Oh, amazing. All right. Well, so then second tier of it, 20% down. Don't buy a house until you have 20% down, Stephen. Okay. Oh, I would definitely not have a house. Being a, <laughs> being a veteran, I don't have to put anything down. I was zero. Hey, thank you for your service. Thank you. But uh, yeah, so I, uh, that's a hard one for me. I'm not a believer in it. Um, one, okay. I, well, if you have it, sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it if right. you have it. 
you don't need it. And part of it is, okay, so you're going to keep waiting until you're paying 20% or you have 20% down payment. So what are you, what are you doing? So you're renting, you know, so if this is your first home, you're rent, you're renting until you have that 20%, the cost of waiting to get that 20% and what you're going to miss out on, on the equity you're building. And then the, 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 the principal you're paying down, it, the, the, the risk outweighs the the award that you get it from waiting for 20% down. Right. I agree. Uh, and we've got, I don't know, like I priced it out with a customer the other day. Should we put 20% down and it would almost, it would leave a little bit of money left over for them. But then when we looked at putting 15% down, payment wasn't that different. You know, and he was like, well, what about mortgage insurance? The mortgage insurance was like $50 a month. You know, so like, an extra like several thousand dollars in order to save 50 bucks a month, you know, there's a good chance in two years, you're going to have that extra equity and remove the mortgage insurance on a conventional loan. So paying like, I just, I don't see it. So that would be $1,200 after two years, or you could come up with an extra 10 grand now. Like, eh, I don't know. Exactly. You know, and what could you do with that 10 grand? You know, easily, easily probably invest 10 grand in something and make over $1,200 on it. Right. Especially if you're younger and you're looking at, uh, you know, investing mutual funds or 529 for kids, something like that, starting with a decent chunk early compounds way better. So, and if you really think about it, I know you says 20% down on it, but you're really thinking you're going to need 25% saved because you still is baby steps, three to six months saved up for emergency funds. So you still need that. So you're, and we require that. some sort of reserves. Yeah. So you need additional money still. So it's not like, hey, I hit 20% and now that's what I'm going to pay and that's it. Like there's still additional money. So you've got closing costs, you get that on top of that, plus your emergency fund that you're trying to add on top of that following all those rules. So yeah, I don't I don't believe it is, it doesn't behoove you to wait the whole for the whole 20%. Right. Now, what about the 15-year mortgage? Okay. So um, if you have a stellar job that, you don't think you'll ever lose. And this 15 year mortgage payment truly is like a quarter of your take home pay. So this 2019? Yeah. <laughs> because 2019, nobody was gonna ever lose their job. So that's the thing. Uh, when COVID hit, I had several people reach out to me um, wanting to refinance out of the 15 year mortgage that they had done previously. They wanted to go to the 30 to lower the payment so that they could get by. Um, and I think it was, somewhere between 20 and 30 people that I've talked to that I couldn't help because they were getting less hours at their job. They had been furloughed. Several factors just didn't allow them to refinance out of the 15. They were screwed. You know, so then some of them ended up going into forbearance, all this stuff because they had done a 15 year mortgage before. Uh, so for that reason, I don't like it. It forces you to stick to the higher payment. Um, you know, but like I said, if you've got like a super awesome job that shouldn't go anywhere, you can. Um, I just like the idea of maybe doing a 30 and paying it like it's a 15. Yeah. You can always exactly. do extra payments towards principal, one extra principal payment um a year towards the principal, uh, or one extra payment towards your principal per year should take off seven years off the life of the loan. So you take a 30 and make a 23. Um, so I would stick with that and then. It also depends on the market. So this past summer, I was comparing a 30-year mortgage rate to a 15-year mortgage rate. 15-year wasn't better. So what's the yeah. point? Historically, it has been. Correct. 
but within the last couple of years, it has it's been very safe. So it's like, why don't you just take the 30 year mortgage and like you said, pay it like a 15 and right. God forbid something happens where, hey, I need more money this month. You're not mandated to make that 15 year payment like you've been accustomed to. You can go back to your minimum regular 30 year mortgage payment. Right. Agreed. And if you're making really good money at the end of the year, you're really looking at paying off your mortgage as fast as possible. Look at a recast. Yeah. I'm a big fan of recast. You want to throw an extra $20,000 at your mortgage? Recast it. That way your payment adjusts down, you know, and it's what the fees per investor is somewhere three, four, 500 bucks. So way cheaper than a refinance. And all they do is re-amortize your remaining months left. You're not losing your interest rate. Correct. So what? Well a lot of people don't understand recast. You know, I've been, I've been making some videos on it. People don't understand what is a recast. And so if you make that, we use the 20,000, you make that $20,000 payment to principal without recasting, what does it do? So they're going to take, say your loan amount remaining is 250. You take the 20,000, your loan amount is going to become 230 and they re-amortize it over the remaining no, 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 months. No. If you don't recast it, what's going to happen? Oh, nothing. Your loan amount goes down and your payment stays the same. Exactly. Payment stays the same. So what, what's going to happen is that 20 grand is basically taking the life years off the life of the loan. So right. like pay main friend, you know, maybe you had 24 years left on your loan. Maybe now by putting 20 uh, grand on it, you might have 22, 21 years left on the loan. So that, right. that's what it would do. Now, like you were saying the recast. Now, what does the recast actually do? Go, go into that. So a recast is where you're going to do like a large principal payment. Um, so like I was saying, if you're, if you owe 250, you do 20,000, your loan amount's going to go to 230. And if you had 200 months left on your mortgage, uh, then it will re-amortize it over that remaining term since it'll lower your payment. So like we should have done it with numbers in front of us. Um, but if your payment was $2,000, it could go to $1,700. You're going to save $300 a month in your payment for the life of the loan, the remaining 200 you know, payments. Um, so you just threw a bunch at principal. You're going to pay a lot less in interest. Um, and it's just you know a super awesome way to pay off your mortgage faster. Especially if that's something you can do every so often, like once a year, once every two years, something like that with a decent amount. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a huge, a huge benefit that a lot of individuals just, they don't know. They have no clue about it, never heard of it. Um, that is an amazing tool to have because, you know, if you refinanced it to try to get a lower payment, because now you're trying to spread it out for further, uh, you're, you know, especially now, you know, if you had a two, two or three interest rate, you're almost quadrupling or tripling it. To get it, like you might not save any money a month, but right. if you're recasting it, you get to keep your interest rate and you're just lowering what you're paying on now. Exactly. All right. And then the last little portion of it is doing the mortgage at 25% DTI. So basically 25% of your take-home pay is what your mortgage payment should be. Your front end. Do what? The front end. Right. So, well, the front end and the back end. So, for for loan officers, so put it out the loan off. What we look at for your debt to income, your they're saying twenty five percent of your take home pay should be your mortgage payment. That's your front end number. 
uh, that we see. And then your back end number is everything else of expenses as you own your credit report, child support, alimony, anything like that will be all added in there for your back end debt to income number. But if you're following the Ramsey way, it that shouldn't be any different. It should be 25 over 25, yeah, right? Yeah, because you shouldn't have any debts. So is, are they talking about front end or back end? I don't know. Uh, no, they're talking about front end. And honestly, if you can find a house that you're super happy with and it's 25% of your take-home pay, do it. That's awesome. I just, I know what my customers are looking for and it seems that they're willing to uh, let that be a little bit higher. But I don't think that that's a terrible strategy because that's not a, that is absolutely keeping your mortgage payment well within um, your budget. Exactly. And I, I think what I want to, because I've seen a lot lately, it's like, okay, you know, buy the house or what is it? Marry the house, date the rate, that whole thing. That uh, one divorce your landlord. Yeah. yeah stupid I, saying. The, to, to me is don't, people are, will be doing this. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to go to 35, 40% on my take home because I know I can refinance later. That That's a an if. That's a big if. If, big if. You know, if. it's like those people that you had a 15 year, oh, I can always just re, um, refinance to a 30 year and be fine. Then, then it happened. Right. So you have to be, you have to know your budget and you have to be comfortable with the payment that it's going to be when you close. What's that current payment going to be? Are you comfortable with that? Are all your bills going to be paid? Are you going to live the same lifestyle you want to live? You have enough money to save and, and, and have for an emergency fund and invest. If you have all that, then great. That's what, that's what it comes down to. What you don't want is to hedge your bet on that the market's going to do something and save you later on. Right. No, I agree. So can you go a little bit higher for the right home? Yeah, I think you can. But again, you want to be able to save money. You want to be able to invest. You want to be able to contribute to your retirement, um, pay for college fund for kids, take vacations. Like that's important. Like being able to live your life. You don't want to be house poor. So, you know, buying a house with a 57 back end ratio um, that's, you know, got a 45 front end, that's that's somebody that isn't budgeting the right way. Um, and I think part of it is just, we had a lot of people that were buying their first homes, you know, a couple of years ago with interest rates so low that they weren't buying starter homes as their first homes. Their first home was like their, what should have been their step up home, but because rates were so low, they could afford it. You know, so now people are looking at some of the houses that their friends have and they want the same thing, but that house was 250,000 and now it's 400, you know, so they're trying to push those ratios and it, it's not working out, you know, the way it did for their friends two years ago. So I think that's part of the issue is, you know, people got rid of the idea of buying a starter home. They did. And then people don't realize they, now they're trying to time the market and you you, you can't. You can't no. time the market. It's time in the market, not timing the market. So, you know, being in there, building that equity in that house, instead of having the cost of waiting and losing that equity is, I think I did it for one couple, I think it was during the summer or maybe August, September that they were trying to buy something in March and they decided to walk away from it. And they regretted it because they lost within that five, six month period, they lost like 20 grand of principal being put in there, the equity that they already gained, the amount of money they were losing on rent. They were paying $3,000 of rent. Their mortgage payment was going to be lower. 
I was like, so why did you guys walk away? And you're like, I, I, I don't know. I have no clue. No, I like, I truly do love that phrase. Time in the market is more important or better than trying to time the market. Do you know who I first heard that from? Who? Kevin Dane. Shout oh! out, Kevin. That's our buddy at another mortgage company. Good friend of ours. Uh, we think he's awesome, but shout out, Kev. You were the first person I ever heard that from. Did you, did you watch his Michael Jordan Chicago Bull thing? Is that where he said it? Uh, I don't know. It was when he was with us. I, I don't know. It was just, I think it was some post that he had done maybe a year or two ago. And it's just the first time I had ever heard it. I was like, oh, that's good. And the next thing you knew, I heard it everywhere. But yeah, yeah. Somebody ran with it. That's what happened. Right. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he stole it from somebody else. Oh, uh, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so kind of recapping, I mean, so we definitely agree with the baby steps, maybe not in the exact order that Dave Ramsey says, but. But it's a great plan. Yes. Yeah. It's a plan and it's going to, it's going to appease a lot of people, not everybody, but it's going to get you started and going. Now the snowball makes sense most of the time on how he says to do it, but certain circumstances can change things. I think you could tweak it a little bit, you know, to maybe better suit somebody. Uh, but then also for maybe majority, this will work perfectly yeah. as far as paying off debt, you know, get after it. Sure. You know, I only have five months left on my car payment every you know, three to four years. So, well, right. only so only so many times I can time that out with it. And then the last one, I mean, the no credit score, we definitely disagree with. 20% uh, down, disagree with. Well, agree. If you, you have, have it, it, if you've got plenty of money to do that, we agree with it. However, don't, you shouldn't... if you've got 10% down and closing costs and some reserves, don't hold off for buying. Yeah. You shouldn't hold off to the 20% to start looking at your options. Correct. I mean, honestly, if you have nothing saved, you should start looking at your options to come up with the mortgage plan and the savings plan of what you are going to do to be able to purchase that home. If it's six months from now, if it's two years from now, um, yeah. you know, just, just have a talk with a professional, um, one of us to kind of really hone it out what you're going to do. The 15 year mortgage, Historically, would have made sense, but the last three, four years, doesn't as much, could definitely hurt you in the long run. I've just seen it cause more pain to customers than benefits. I don't even think it's a huge difference when it made sense. Like, how big of a gap do you think? I think, I mean, there's a significant gap. I've priced it out before when interest rates were pretty, like, there was a significant difference. And if you were to strictly just pay your mortgage on time for the 30 years, you know, 360 payments or do the 15 year and make, you know, the, those 180 payments just on time, no extra, then yes, you can save tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. No. 30,000 really 30, like, you looking at it. it makes right. sense. You know, but I've, I don't really know that many people that have stayed in a home for 30 years and paid their mortgage on time and on payment 360, it was just simply paid off. Yeah. You know, so I just, I don't know. If you can afford it and it's well within your DTI, then okay. Um, but I also, right now, there's a slight difference in interest rates that make it a little bit better. Um, otherwise, I'd probably go with a 30 right now and pay it like a 15. And then 25% of your take-home pay. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's smart. Leaves a lot of room for emergencies, um, saving, investing. I, like, I don't disagree with that. You know, a lot of times... 
we see a lot of people they don't they don't think about going from renting to owning. You're not just calling the landlord anymore. Hey, come fix this, come fix that. That you have to have those funds now. Right. So they don't they don't always think like, oh, if you got the person that's 57% debt to income with it, like they are razor thin on if something breaks, what's gonna happen. Right. And that worries me. And I don't I don't love it. I don't I just don't ever want to get the call from a customer, you know, six months from buying their house and like they're trying to figure out how to sell or do whatever because they made a bad, you know, investment. So Exactly. Just we try not to stretch it that far. Now, if we're talking about a husband doing it and the spouse works, but maybe we don't have somebody on the loan. So we know there's an extra like bunch of money coming in. So extra income that's just not on the loan app. Sure. I'll yeah. do that all day. Um, if you're but still, if there isn't you're extra still looking at 25% income, take home then if they're closer to 50 to 60, maybe 30. Right. It's because of the other person kind of thing, you know, roughly depending on how much the other one makes. So you're kind of, you're still there. So just because they're not, you know, we we don't whoever is living in the home or contributing to it, we're not they're not always on the mortgage with it. Well, dude, gonna be honest, I think we went through this one way better than our first. You know what? You're much better. We're getting somewhere. We're we're getting, we're getting some traction here. I feel <laughs> way better about this one. So number now, two, if we can get our looks, coach Chris to listen to all of it. Yeah, she gives us six minutes. God, what a jerk! <laughs> well, Stephen, let's not say I'm anything to her and see when she listens to this. If she says anything, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for tuning in to the brutally honest loan officer podcast. I'm Derek Brown, Stephen Brock, um, and we're having a great time doing this. So can't wait to do our next one. And you know, if anybody listening has a great idea for a topic. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> all I feel so weird saying that. All 10 listeners. We might, I know for a fact we have more than 10. Okay. Because I like my, I have more than 10 fr like friends and family members. Doesn't mean they like And that's probably who's listened so far. Yeah. All right. That's all who's listened. All right, <laughs> all right guys. Sign off. See you on the next one. See ya.